3: Time we're ever getting excited about sex From now on it's first, okay? All I want to do
0: is fucking eat! I want Judy! I want Judy! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show
3: me! Buggy that needed again!
4: Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and i have joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer?
5: <laughs> hey, buddy,
4: what's going on? Hey, Shane, doing good over here. You know, Shane, it's been a while since we've talked a little hot seat. Uh-oh. I didn't think we'd have to do it this early in the season, Shane. But we gotta do we gotta do this, Shane, because what happens when a season starts going sideways, Shane? Those coaches, when it really starts to go downhill on them, you get the dreaded vote of confidence we have I mean, we're four games into the 2019 season, Shane. We've already got two ADs out here speaking about the fact that their coaches are not going to get fired. That typically comes right before those coaches get fired. <laughs> so let's jump to these clips. Uh, but first, we'll, we'll do our little hot seat intro here. Oh, my God, we're burning alive! Fire.
0: hot real hot hot this hot short I can cook things in it little clutch, 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 cooking well, can you tell me what it feels
4: like Ooh, hot? I told you born on the sun, it's damn hot. all right Shane this uh, first clips a little bit shorter I think this guy's um, I don't know I don't know how to tell which seats hotter here but let's just go with Chad Moore Shane, obviously fans very disappointed with the San Jose State I mean we just we've been talking about it all week everybody knows the story the signs of progress not quite there yet, Shane. He's yet to beat an SEC opponent. And I don't think, I really don't think Chad Morris should be fired at this point. If they go winless in the SEC once again, I think that's a different conversation. I think you really have to evaluate it at that point. Uh, but old Hunter Yurachek, the AD there in Arkansas, he went on a little bit of a speaking tour this week, Shane. And he was not asked point blank about Chad Morris' job security until after he got off the podium. And uh, here's what he had to say.
2: So at this point, there's been no conversations about uh, you know Chad Morris coaching for his job coordinators. Any any changes at all coming to the coaching staff?
4: Absolutely not. All right, Shane. So there you have it. Chad uh, Chad Morris (laughs) safe according to Urechich, and you know I don't know how much stock you put into stuff like this, Shane, but it was interesting. I didn't I didn't get to confirm this, but I saw it. Someone sent me a photo. This AD is very active on Twitter. Apparently someone, you know, tagged Juricic on Twitter and said something like, hell, you could have picked someone out of the stands and they would have coached better than than Chad Morris did in this one. And he liked the tweet. <laughs> now, he quickly unliked it because, like I said, I went and checked his Twitter and it's not there anymore. So, I mean, he, he was pretty fired up. He's been saying all week how Arkansas had no business losing this San Jose State. I know he's pretty committed to his coach based on what he had to say here, but uh, – I don't know how hot do you think Chad Morris's seat is after four games into the his second season?
5: Well, I'm not going to read too much into liked tweets, you know? I mean, it's a game. It's a thumbs game, Mike, you know, you're scrolling and sometimes you may accidentally hit something mm-hmm. and uh, you quickly undo it. So I'm I'm not going to read too much into that, but I don't know about this hot seat talk, you know, because something that you mentioned, uh, you know, this is something that ADs come out and say, Hey, he's got his job. He's safe. And the next thing you know, they're like, ah, we got a committee, you know, <laughs> we fired him. We, we're, we've promoted so-and-so up as the, as the new interim head coach. So, I mean, you've seen this, but I just don't, you, what you don't see is a coach getting fired in year two and, now I could understand if it's a program like Alabama or Georgia or even Florida. Some of these teams that have eight, nine, 10 win seasons and then all of a sudden they're sitting there at you know with with two wins on the season or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I could see I could see a two-year coach getting fired, but not Arkansas, man. I mean Arkansas started at the bottom. So they're not going to spend all that money unless it's just a flat-out embarrassment, which it's trending that way. I'm not saying at the end of the season they won't make this decision, but I can't see them firing Coach Morris any time during this season unless it's just, you know, some, like like Jim McElwain coming out talking about death threats or something, you know?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just, like I said, it's going to be tough for him. If he goes winless in the SEC, two consecutive SEC winless seasons. Not saying that's definitely going to happen. Let's wait and see how they respond. I still I understand why fans overreact, but that San Jose State loss I know is horrible. But I think damn near every SEC team, if they throw five interceptions in a game, they could lose a game to, yeah. to an FBS opponent. That obviously is what happened, not excusing it but i'm just saying if the quarterback doesn't throw five interceptions and they had they had a <laughs> chance to win that game at the end yeah i don't know i don't i don't think the wheels are coming off quite yet i think i'm just reading between the lines here shane i think this team got a little ahead of itself after beating colorado state they didn't think they really had to prepare for this san jose state looking ahead to texas a&m we'll find out on saturday if they you know if they've if they've got any pride left in them yeah all right so let's jump uh, over to the other ad shane who had to go out a local radio station here. This is Ray Tanner saying Will Muschamp is safe in Columbia.
3: Oh absolutely. I and, and, and I do own it. I mean I I'm very fond of Will Muschamp. I'm very fond of his coaches. I have great respect for the organization that they've put together. I believe in them now as much as I did when they came here. Um, would we prefer to be four and oh versus one and three right now? Absolutely. But Yes, I'm, I'm very much a part of this. I understand that. I accept it. It goes with the job. I'm in a conference uh, that I think now I'm the third longest tenured athletics director in the room. Hmm. Um, and there's some other guys not in there because their football situation hadn't been all that great at times. So I understand it. I take responsibility in any way that anybody wants to dish it out. I, I'm certainly part of the process and, and I feel very good about it. Where we are again? No, we're not happy. We're one and three, but I believe in our coach who's running the program. I believe in what I see, and I, I believe that um, we're we're going to be in a good place. We, the expectations are great. We understand that, and you know, I I, I look today, uh, doing doing a little research and looking at some things. I think as we sit here today, Coach Muschamp and Coach Spurrier have the same number of wins at the same point in time in history as of today. And um, the coach up the road has four or five more at the same point in time. So the sky's not falling.
4: All right, Shane. So this one I think is a little bit different in my opinion. I understand South Carolina fans very upset, one in three, inexcusable. And, you know, that's because they're only as mad as they are because they care about the Gamecocks. And they want them to be good. And so many are out on Will Muschamp at the moment. I think he's got a chance to win them back. And I also think – I'm not trying to be disrespectful to South Carolina because they deserve better than this. But I think you got to be careful at a school like South Carolina. If you're firing coaches left and right, if it can happen to Tennessee, if it can happen to Arkansas, you better believe it can happen at South Carolina. And it's not like you're getting blown up – your doors off like you are at Tennessee. You, you are a couple years into this Will Muschamp tenure. It's not going as expected, but it's not – the disaster he inherited. It's. It still seems like they're a step up from that. I don't think they're a seller dweller in the SEC East. And unless they reach that point, I think you got to bring Will Muschamp back. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I. 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 I don't know, Mike. <laughs> Let me ask you this,
5: because we're we're talking two different situations here. We got Morris. If he loses out and Muschamp loses out, not saying these teams are going to, but let's just say hypothetically they do, mm-hmm. then. I think Muschamp is definitely more likely to get fired than Morris. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because we're what year four with Muschamp, right? There's 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 higher expectations. He, he's playing with his guys now, so he can't he can't pull a Morris and say, "Well, you know, I inherited this, and we're trying to change the culture. We're building from the ground up." You can't do that because you've already established your foundation over there in South Carolina. And here we are year four, and it feels like we're moving backwards. So I'm a little more worried about the situation in South Carolina, believe it or not, than I am in Arkansas, just because of that fact that this is something that he's been moving forward with the offense, you know, he brought in his new coordinator that, you know, that was a concern and then Muschamp champ was going to take over the defense. And then, you know, now you got all your pressure on your freshman quarterback and, and they had high expectations coming into both seasons, this season and last season, and they're just not coming through. Now I know they got a tough schedule, but you know, when they lose, it's embarrassing.
4: Well, yeah, but when you say it like that, if they lose every game, I think well, damn yeah, near I every guess. all these coaches will get fired if they lost every game the rest of the way. I just what I'm trying to say is I know South Carolina's a pitiful record right now, one in three. But I don't think I think when we look back at the season's end, that North Carolina loss will haunt him. But Alabama's you know they're going to be right in the playoff race all year. Missouri mm-hmm. I think is going to win nine or ten games. I don't think that's a horrible loss, and I just think. by the end of the season, if you're six and six, seven and five, something like that, I think he could be way, way worse. Like I don't think South Carolina fans should be saying, well, my God, we should be nine or 10 win team. I know. (laughs) Hey, I was a guy out there saying it could happen, (laughs) but that shouldn't be the expectations every year at South Carolina. I mean, you gotta, I don't know. I just don't think that, uh, I don't think it's as bad as they think it is. But I understand why they think it's bad because it's one and three right now. That, like I said, that's inexcusable. But you know, you're gonna hit bumps on the road, and as long as he continues to recruit, they got Hylinsky. I mean, they've got some pieces to build around here, and uh, I don't know. I just don't think the wheels have come off here for Muschamp.
5: No, I don't, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go full panic mode, you know. But you know, Charleston Southern's the only team that they did beat. North Carolina, they should have beat. Carolina. I mean, that's when they got behind the eight ball, man. If we're sitting here at at two and two, and you know we're not. I mean, we're upset as South Carolina fans because you really think you should have had the Missouri game. You thought you thought maybe you could have played Alabama a little bit closer, but I I don't think we're in full blown panic just yet. But we're still getting into the teeth of the schedule, so that's that's why I'm concerned. It's not not like the path gets any easier up there in South Carolina. You look at Arkansas schedule and you compare it to South Carolina's schedule, uh, it's it's two different sides of the coin, man. And yeah, South Carolina's got some tough teams coming up. and if they don't if if we're not seeing the development, if we're not seeing progression with South Carolina, I think we're gonna just keep getting more and more disappointed.
4: Yeah, and the last thing I got here on South Carolina shade, I think you make a good point. I think the thing that's really haunting Muschamp right now is the fact his team keeps losing games where we pick them to win. And, and I'm mm-hmm. not talking about you and I. I'm talking Gamecock fans. You know, you expect to win at this game, and you lose it. Now, the only way to make up for that is he's got to win a game, not like this Kentucky game. I mean, I, I feel like, once again, he should win that one. He's got to beat a team like a Florida or a Georgia or a Clemson, where hardly yeah. anyone's going to be picking them. That's how he wins them back. And I still think this team, as long as they don't kill themselves, I think they have a chance to do that. Dude, they got the
5: weapons, man. I mean, Edwards and Smith, two of my favorite receivers. And if they could figure and I think Helensky's, uh the future of South Carolina. I'm still sold on that. I really do think that last week was more of a fluke and, based off some injuries and and things like that. But if they get smoked by Kentucky, dude, you think they're mad now. That's that's one of those games you're talking about. South Carolina fans are expecting to beat Kentucky. Kentucky fans are expecting to beat South Carolina. Somebody's going to be upset after this thing. Mm
4: -hmm. All right, Shane, so we got a couple teams to hit on here, not the full around the league, but uh, semi around the league. You ready to do it? (laughs) Let's do it. Now let's go
0: around the league. league. We we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so, and I wouldn't tell you if I did, so, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it.
1: I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week, all our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over and you know like every other every third song it'll roll through within the crowd noise that you play at practice so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? right? This game's
0: gonna be a street fight. This game's gonna be a street fight. I mean some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it. Man this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean this is the SEC. So I man it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work.
4: All right, Shane, let's start here in Gainesville. We've not been trying to ignore the Gators this week, but the, you know, the fact is they're playing Towson. I know that's a top 10 FCS team and <laughs> maybe a little bit better competition than Tennessee put out there on Saturday, but not a whole lot to talk about on this game and I think that's even something that Dan Mullen faced this week during his press conference. He was asked on, uh, you know, how much his team will be looking past this team to a potential top-ten matchup with Auburn coming kind to of town next weekend. That's obviously going to be a one hell of a game. Uh, but I thought the most interesting thing, maybe in the entire SEC, Shane, came from Dan Mullen this week when he was asked about the schedule and the fact they're playing two FCS teams. And he took it in a different direction, talking about how the SEC, you know, they really need to do something about the scheduling uh, just for the sake of the players. As cliche as it sounds, you're a week away from a top ten matchup. How do you keep the guys kind of focused
3: this week? And is this almost a bigger test to stay focused this week than next week?
1: Uh, Well, the focus, the key to the game, the key to anything. We talked about our team to the team this week. Obviously, there'll be a lot more hype on next week's game. You know, national hype. It'll be the CBS game of the week. And um, but. For us to even have an opportunity to win that game, we have got to improve this week. You know, it's one of those things. You look at the steps we took. I thought we took some really good steps. I thought we played a lot better against Tennessee than we had uh, in the previous weeks, okay? And, you know, that had a lot to do with because we practiced better. That week, you know, we took care a little bit, you know, our scout teams executed a little bit cleaner, offensive and defense finished plays of practice a little bit better. Thought we did an amazing job with our Friday night and early Saturday morning quick, you know, even though it was a quick turnaround, the preparation going into the game of guys really honing in on their routine and getting ready to go perform on a Saturday. If we don't continue to take a step forward with that this week, uh, it'll show. And it'll show not just this week, it'll show the week at the next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that as you continue to move forward. So I think that's such been, that's the message for the guys is you can't, you know, I mean, we have great goals for this season for the team and, and they, they all include continually improving from one week to the next. And that's gotta be the focus. And, you know, I'm focusing on what's important, right? You know, what's important is, am I getting better as a player? I don't want to downplay this week's game or next week's game because if you ask me that question next week and saying you're a week off from another top 10 matchup this one on the road is it harder to stay focused no it's on our exact attention to detail um, and our development and our improvement from one day to the next of getting better and that's what we can control and that's what we need to worry about and if we're worried about other things we're worried about the wrong thing and we're not going to be able to accomplish the goals we have as a team.
3: Did uh, you, does, Towson is seems like a very quality program, but mm-hmm. it's two FCS teams in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think one's enough per season? I mean Scott and Dustin was saying that's probably yeah. A I, well,
1: I think I think one. You look. I mean I don't know this. I haven't. I wasn't involved in this year's schedule. Um, I think there's a lot of things with schedule that I know. i talking to Scott. We're trying to play more Power Five teams. Uh, you know people aren't jumping up and down to play us. You know, I mean, we're calling power five teams and trying to get more games. And it's it's not like, hey, everybody we call can't wait to come play Florida. Um, you know, so that's not always uh, an easy deal. But I know for our fans, I think it is fun to play uh, play some bigger games. You know, I mean, and in the future, I think that's something we're going to look. It's trying to play more power five games within the league. I think we should mix up the league schedule more to be perfectly honest with you. You know what I mean? I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West, um, you know, and get the opportunity to play more SEC games to come play in this league and play in those games. Or conference games are a lot of fun playing other SEC teams. So I think moving forward, scheduling-wise, um, you know, obviously, conference we don't control that, uh, but I think that'd be a heck of a deal, and I know we're working to try to play more Power Five teams.
4: All right, Shane, this is a popular off-season topic, and I think Dan Mullen hit the nail on the head here. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I know there's rivalries where you know they, they're going to play Florida State every year, they're going to play Miami now every so few years, but uh, the Gators never see Mississippi State hardly ever. And I know there's there's plenty of other games like that Texas A&M and Georgia that's a that's a popular one that always comes up. I mean, this is going to be the first year those teams have ever met as SEC foes. I appreciate Dan Mullen bringing this up when other coaches kind of won't touch on it, but uh, it's good to see at least, you know, one of the one of the veteran coaches of this league is advocating for the scheduling to kind of change up here.
5: No, I like it, man. You know, I don't like playing two FCS teams I get that. Dan didn't set that schedule, so you can't blame him for that. But you can blame Florida. They scheduled it years ago. (laughs) It doesn't – you know what I'm saying? This thing – you should never play two FCS teams. Uh, They should be power fives, and I get that it's kind of hard to to set these things up, especially if you don't want to do a home-and-home type situation. So I get that side. But I also – I really appreciate the fact that he's open to opening up the SEC. Now, I know there's some people, there's some hardcore people that listen to this podcast that do not like change. But it's true, man. There's no reason you should play Southern Florida. Is that what he said? Southern Florida three times mm-hmm. and Mississippi State once. Right. You know what I'm saying? That that should never happen. You should be playing more West teams than non non-opponents in your conference so mm-hmm. i'm I'm all for it man i'm all for an open schedule and it's gonna it's gonna piss some people off you know with some of these games like third saturday in october but i i think it is fair for the players to play other conferences go to homes and home and homes you know even if it does involve increasing the the amount of sec games you play during the regular season there's got to be some sort of some sort of fix
4: man yeah, this is the only issue I have when they went to 14 teams. It's almost like they didn't – they just didn't think of this or they didn't think it out through uh, to, to have the schedule like this because it's just – I don't know, it just doesn't even make sense. I mean, Texas A&M and Georgia, it's like they're not even in the same conference, you know what? It's, it's so true, man. Final thing here on the Gator shed, I just wanted to add this little note because there were some speculation that Bretton Cox, the transfer from Georgia – got his waiver and would be cleared. Uh, Dan Mullen was asked about that on Wednesday. He said that is not accurate. No update on Bretton Cox. Still waiting to hear back from the NCAA. And I never thought that waiver would be realistic. Not saying it's going to be denied, but uh, it just seems weird that it took, you know, it's taken nine, ten months for some of these guys. And this this kid is, uh, you know, just a few weeks removed from, from leaving Georgia. I don't know how quickly that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't
5: think it happens. Do you?
4: No. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to
1: Athens.
4: (laughs) Well, Kirby Smart and his Bulldogs are on a bye week after beating Notre Dame. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting because, you know, I was a little critical of Jake Fromm and on the rewatch, I think uh, a little bit more critical on James Coley on for Georgia's kind of offensive performance here. And I just thought it was interesting Kirby Smart kind of put the blame on the fact that they didn't really get the plays to him fast enough. I thought this was kind of an interesting comment. I mean, I could see once or twice, maybe, maybe that's what he's talking about, critical situations. But uh, you'd think after it happened once, they'd get on it a little bit quicker. Uh, <laughs> but this is what truly makes Jake Fromm such a weapon. Uh, And, of course, because the Bulldogs are on a bye week, I thought I would include this little clip of Kirby Smart talking about uh, what his players need to focus on during their off week. You didn't let Jake do what he does best, which is –
0: I didn't say that. I think you misquoted. What I said was that we didn't get the the call to him fast enough so that he could do what he does best. And it came out that we didn't let him do what he does best. We didn't get the call to him fast enough. So we got to do a better job of getting the call to him so he can do that. Because when you're down on the play clock, it doesn't give him enough time to do that. And uh, that's what he does well. And we had two or three times that, I mean, I bet you he had the call with 11 or 12 seconds left and that's not enough time.
4: I was gonna ask why, why the plays came in later than typical.
0: Just didn't do a good job getting them in. I mean, it's not like we're by design. I mean, one or two of them that got in early enough, it just the communication was crossed up between the signal and the formation. And uh, he fixed it. I mean, like I said, after the game, he, he makes things that are wrong, right. And he fixed them. But when you add that time in to the time the play was signaled in, it doesn't leave a lot of time on the play clock.
2: When you've got a week like this
4: and, and you've got, you know, some young players, you're talking about your wideouts wanting to be more well-rounded and, and things like that. Do you do you sit down with those guys and have that kind of one on one conversation to be like, hey, this is a big week, you know, got some things we want to get accomplished like that, or do you just kind of just let it play
2: out?
0: No, we give every player on the team a three to four notes of what they got to get better at. Every coach is assigned their players to say, here's your three target areas you got to improve on. Might be special teams for one guy, might be depth of routes, might be blocking. I mean, it's very specific because we want them to have a purpose in practice this week. If you're not careful. You're like, what am I doing out here? You know, I'm just like shredding, I mean, just treading water. No, we don't want to do that. We want to get better. We want to have target areas get better. Offense had three goals. Defense had three goals today, and we'll continue to work on those. Special teams had three goals, but we got to improve because we got, we got whipped on special teams the other night.
4: All right, Shane, so when I said Jake from, you know, this is how you maximize his talents and his knowledge and what have you. This is why you want a seasoned veteran quarterback that is efficient because a guy like Jake Fromm, you know, we're let's just use Holinsky as an example. We think the world of him, but how much can he really, you know, read the defense and switch a play and have everybody lined up correctly. It's just unrealistic to have him mm-hmm. do all that. But Jake Fromm, he can manipulate all those things because he's been there. He's done that. He's like a coach on the field. He's I mean, he's got more experience in Athens than some of these coaches and I think, uh, kind of like Kirby Smart said, that kind of makes sense. I think they kind of didn't utilize that against Notre Dame, and that's something they really gotta—they've really gotta switch that up moving forward if they're gonna beat some of these teams like Auburn on the road. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you gotta take advantage of what you got down there with Fromm. Uh,
5: I mean, just think about just this Saturday alone. How many first-time quarterbacks they're gonna be playing in the SEC? You know, that didn't play last year. That don't have the experience. Because, it's, you know, they're trying to sponge up all the the playbook and the routes and the, and the defensive looks and all that. But, you know, something when you've got the, all that licked, you've got it down pat. This is where the next level quarterbacks come in, where they're able to see stuff before it happens. They're able to change plays, you know, because that play clock goes by pretty quick when you're out there and you're, your anxiety's amped and, you, you know, your blood's flowing and stuff. So Fromm's able to slow the game down, and I really like what he said, you know, it, make it, make the corrections, fix the mistakes. There's, Think about it, how many mistakes Fromm was able to fix and you not even know. It just looked like a normal play there at Georgia.
4: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, final thing on the Bulldogs, and this has to do with the next team we're going to hit on, and I don't know if you saw this, Shane. I want to get your reaction as our resident Tennessee Homer here. <laughs> and I don't know how serious this is, but there are there are fans online, Georgia fans, planning to checkerboard kneeling, red and black, for October fifth, Saturday, coming up in a week and a half. Here, thoughts on uh, these these Bulldogs, Shane, wanting to checker kneeling. Kiss my ass. That's what I say. <laughs> We're only giving them 12,000 tickets. How are they going to do it?
5: You know, I don't know how many tickets we're giving them, but I don't know. This is, you know, it's, this isn't Vanderbilt, Tennessee. You know, I, I'm, giving, I'm giving a hard time, and I'm not trying to bash any university right now. But it's one thing to take over another school like Vanderbilt. No offense to Vandy, but we all know that it's tough for them to build up a home crowd. You saw it last week with LSU. Mm-hmm. You saw it during the Georgia game. You know, so I think maybe that's where it's coming from. But Tennessee's different, man. It's a different animal. The fans still love going to the games, even though we're we're not in a great spot. You know, they, they said we had 80,000 during the Chattanooga game. So, right. I mean, you think about that. Tennessee Chattanooga, 80,000 fans, which is, you know, the size of uh, a lot of stadiums in the country. So, I, I don't th- think that they're going to have enough fans to fill those seats man it's going to be predominantly orange and white because it's going to be a home game do i think there'll be a lot of georgia fans there absolutely probably more than usual you know but there's there's just no way they're going to have enough numbers in there to check or kneeling even though uh it's kind of funny when you think about it
4: (laughs) but that is one thing shane for all of tennessee's turmoil Everything that's gone wrong there, the last thing anyone can say, and it bothers me when they tr- they try to throw this out there because they're, they're dead wrong and they just look like a dumbass, but the fans are not the problem. The fans keep showing up. This is some terrible football they're getting treated to, but they keep showing up and they keep supporting their team. And, I mean, you look around the country, teams like Florida State right now, I, th- I think they had the lowest attendance they've ever had. And guess what, Shane? I mean, they got the same record as Tennessee. You know what I mean? So the Tennessee yeah. fans, they're still in it to win it. They're just waiting for this team to get better. You know, it's
5: funny. Uh, just side note here. I was over at a grocery store. We've got a food city here. All right. And I'm sitting there, food city. My wife's in there getting some groceries. I'm sitting out there, I'm listening to the radio. And uh, there was a van there. It was WIVK, which mm-hmm. is a local radio station here in Tennessee. And they got this little thing set up and they're selling shirts and they're like, I don't know what the shirts are saying, but there's orange shirts, there's white shirts. So I'm sure it's Tennessee football related. And here we are in the midst of one of the worst seasons we've ever had. And I watched two people buy orange shirts over there. You know, it's just that's just who we are. Where uh, and that's that's like that at a lot of schools. You know, it's not just Tennessee. It's it, it's all these schools. I mean, people are still buying cowbells when Mississippi State's not good. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's pe- people still going to Kentucky games when they're down and out. You know, this Arkansas, we're giving them a hard hard time, but man, they're still they're still having a blast on Saturday. You know, they they know that it all eventually comes around. There was a time when Georgia was not good, okay? I was talking to my buddy the other day. Uh, I think it was, what, in the early? Was it 2000? No, no, it's 90s. Yeah, 95, 96, somewhere around there. I mean, they had a couple six-win seasons, and, you know, Georgia's been down, too. Alabama's been down, too. There are There These powerhouses, they eventually, at some point in their life, we pray to God that it that it switched back and, and, and then we're back on top of the, the pecking order. But that's just – that's the nature of football, man.
4: All right, Shane, well, let's jump there, down there to Rocky Top where Jeremy Pruitt met with the media here recently. And I thought uh, two things kind of stood out from what he had to say. Uh, I think you'd appreciate this, Shane, his comments on the quarterback situation and giving you know, equal reps to these guys during the bye. And on the confidence level of his team – uh, after this uh, terrible start they've had there in on rocky top
1: jeremy you said that the quarterback position uh is no different than every other position on the team so have the reps changed at all though this week in terms of Jarrett, brian and jt is, is it kind of been status quo of what it was through the first month of the season no
2: i i think we have to change the reps okay we have to do that um you know and and it's no secrets there's no secrets anymore uh you know, we've got to get better production out of that position, just like we do all of them. Um, and so we, we've got to we've got to give these guys an opportunity, and this is a good chance to do that this week. And what has that looked like, I guess, then for the, through the first two days thus far? Uh, everybody, everybody gets the same amount of reps. Jeremy, you have a lot of players on your team that have been in the program for a number of years that have not had a lot of success. Do you think right now you have a team that simply does not play with much confidence? Well, um, Here's the thing, uh, to me, when we lose a game, doesn't matter wherever I've ever coached, it hurts. Okay, I right. hadn't been used to losing very many of them, all right? but it hurt. It hurts pretty bad. Okay, uh, I think sometimes you can get numb uh, to losing. All right? If it happens over and over again, all right, maybe you get used to it. Um, and that's something that there's lots of guys in our program that aren't used to losing. Okay. And it, it hurts them. All right. But, um, I'm not saying the guys in our program are, are, are that way, but I do think that can, that can happen, you know? So, uh, I can tell you this, all right. our football team, I've said all along that I like this group of guys. Uh, right? the guys work extremely hard. Okay. Um, you know, there's lots of things. We need to coach them up better, okay? We need to play a little better. We need to be a little more opportunistic on both sides of the ball. Uh, we don't need to shoot ourselves in the foot. Uh, but our guys are working hard, um, and they'll continue to do that. Um, I don't see any quit in this group. Uh, these guys, um, I think, are fighters, um, you know? So we got to keep them healthy so they give it, they have a chance to fight. Um, And that's one of the things this week we have trying to make sure um, in our improvement that um, we we give them enough reps to improve, but at the same time uh, don't go out there and lose five guys in one day where we don't have enough guys to play.
4: All right, Shane. So based on what Pruitt had to say, I mean, if Garantano does not practice well, if one of these other guys outperforms him – uh, you know, as unrealistic as it may have seen entering the season, I think there's an outstanding chance Garantano does not start against Georgia if he gets essentially beat out this week and the following week there as they prep for the Bulldogs. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
5: Well, first off, Mike, I'm, I'm pretty dumb to those losses too, you know. Like I said, <laughs> the third one after you get that one, you don't feel it so much, which is a stupid question, a dumb question. I don't know who asked it, but – you you shouldn't be doing that, but anyway, back to the quarterbacks. You know, I I like the open competition. You know, if, if worst case scenario, if it gets Garantano somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. if if he's the guy, if he knows that, I mean, we done pulled him once, not twice. You know, he's got pulled to the side. So, I'm I'm hoping maybe that sparks a little bit. But if not, then I'm ready to give these young guys a shot because why not? That's where we're at right now. We're sitting there at one and three. These fans are upset because of that Garantano's play. I want I want to see some quarterbacking out there. And, and like I was telling you the other day, I don't care if they get it picked off. You know what I'm saying? Eventually it's going to happen. But seriously, I just want to see somebody throw the ball down the field. I don't want to see any more wide receiver screens or anything like that. I want to see them stretch the play, stretch the ball, and and – you know, we get onto the running backs for not having these, uh, the stats that they should, well, they're all, why, why did they need to, they need to get an eight, nine man in the box because we can't throw the ball. So I don't know. I'm getting fired up again, Mike. Let me, uh, let me just say this. I'm glad there's quarterback competition, but I, I don't want this thing to linger all year. I don't want to bounce it around between two or three quarterbacks. If if we if we see something, a spark off one of these guys, I hope we'll cling to it, we'll give them all the first reps, and just run them the rest of the season.
4: Mm-hmm. All right, final note here on the Vol, Shane. Two linebackers, Will Ignat, Shannon Reed, and receiver Jacquez Jones have all left the team, according to Pruitt. They're all in the NCAA transfer portal, and these are all Butch Jones guys that uh, got passed over on the depth chart. But, you know, you hate to lose depth, but sometimes I think – you know, if you're not – it's one of those deals where if you're not with the team, uh, I think it kind of hurts that you're sticking around. That, that's just kind of my two cents on those. Yeah,
5: yeah. Get out of here, you know. Get out of here that nonsense. It's like Tom Cruise and that, who's coming with me, you know. Just go. Take a goldfish and get out of here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, final team to hit on here. Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Where the Tigers are also on a bye week this week. But uh, they got good news because they got old Ed Ingram back in the lineup, Shane. Mm. And I thought uh, this was kind of interesting. Coach O said uh, the team was really fired up, obviously, to get him back. But uh, the most interesting thing, he thinks Ed Ingram could see the field for their next game against Utah State. So I thought that was noteworthy. We'll jump to that clip in just a second. And then on, uh, we also have another clip I thought was pretty great, Shane. LSU fans, they drank Vanderbilt Stadium dry, according to Derek Mason.
3: <laughs> they all cheered for him when, uh, when we announced that he was back today. So I think it gives us a, a sense of confidence up front and a sense that we can do some things up front with other guys. and gives us more depth.
1: Stadiums never run out of beer before.
0: I, I mean, you know, man, I tried not to keep up with those those, those, uh, those, those side notes, but man, man if it did, uh, uh, I, I hope it did, but if it did, okay, we got a problem. This is Nashville, but when it's all said and done, I, I think for where we are nowadays, I don't think any stadium should find itself running out of beer.
4: All right, Shane. So those LSU fans—they know how to party. They came up to Nashville last weekend. They did it right. Thoughts on Ed Ingram? Potentially, you know, he's been out of the lineup for over a year. Could could start here, or right. not start, but play for the Tigers. That was that's pretty interesting. Man, that's big, Mike. That's big news. And uh, you know, I'm just kind of wondering what kind of shape
5: Ed's in. You know, he was a big guy last year, a big guy this year. I'm sure, but. It's it's different when it's a wide receiver taking a couple extra months off and uh and and Big Ed here, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I wonder how long before he's actually
4: game ready. And my other thing here about LSU, Shane, I just wanted I didn't know you were down at this LSU game here at Vanderbilt. You drank, you helped drink <laughs> them dry, I'd say.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh geez. yeah,
4: yeah, it's good for them. All right, Shane, so that's all the news I got around the league, but uh, I think we got a mailbag question or two, don't we? Yeah, let's get to the mailbag. All right, Shane, our first uh, question here comes from a longtime listener from Kentucky, our boy Ollie. And he actually sent in a, a video clip. We're going to play you the audio. Uh, he sent in the audio, Shane. Let's kick it over to Ollie. Hey, cousin Shane.
5: This is Ollie, and I wanted to ask you a question about today's podcast. You got pretty spicy about Chad Morris down there in Arkansas. I wanted to ask you. If you had the opportunity as a Tennessee fan, would you change coaches with Jeremy Pruitt and Chad Morris, given that Arkansas is 2-2 two and two versus
2: Tennessee is 1-3, and three, and both programs have a bad loss, uh, San Jose State and Georgia State? You just seem a lot more critical of Chad Morris versus
1: Jeremy Pruitt. I want to get your opinion on that. Thanks, man. All
4: right, Shane. So we really appreciate this uh, question, and this is a, was a unique way to send it to us if – I was thinking this was so cool. If anyone else wants to send us stuff like this, hell, we'll just start doing mailbags like this. It's pretty unique. But uh, yeah, what's your answer to this question here?
5: Look at Ollie starting to trend. That's right. We we're gonna to try to get the mailbags every uh, Thursday here. So yeah, if you got them, send them in Monday through Wednesday. We'll we'll try to include it on these Thursday things. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but to answer Ollie's question, all right, a lot of people want to know why I'm so hard on Morris. And not so hard on my boy Jeremy Pruitt. I done forgot his name there for a second. All right, I'm sorry. The beers are kicking in, Mike. All right, here's the deal, Mike. I like Pruitt. I like what he's bring. You know, I love the staff. I don't know if I'm just reading into it, but I really like what he has assembled up here. And it seems like we are in a better place than we were last year, even though the wins aren't there. It feels like as a team, as a whole, that we're in a better situation. We just got a bad apple. We do not have a quarterback. Now, on the other side, I'm not saying that's the only thing. I mean, Tennessee's got a lot of holes, a lot of gaping holes that we need to work on. But it just feels like I have confidence in the staff to get there. Morris, on the other hand, I don't like the situation just because of the way – Honestly, he pissed me off with the quarterback play. And here, Tennessee has an open quarterback play. But going into the season, we knew who the best quarterback was. The nation knew who the best quarterback was. And he refused to put the best quarterback in until they were already behind the eight ball. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that one frustrates me because it felt like it it showed me what kind of coach we're dealing with. Now, you look over here back to Pruitt. He knows we've got a quarterback situation. So, what does he do? He opens it up, man. He's got three guys taking the same amount of reps this week. He knows he's got a problem. He's addressing it. We got kids coming off the team, off the Butch Jones era. You know, again, they're not buying into the culture. He got rid of them. You go back to Morris, he kind of did a similar thing. You know, if you're you're either with us or you're not, you know, and a couple people left, a couple people came back. But it just feels like Tennessee. Is moving slowly, slow, more slow than I would want, in the right direction. We're still getting the recruits coming in. We're, you know, we still are building a, a foundation here at Tennessee in a second year of Pruitt. I just don't know about the foundation in, in Arkansas right now.
4: Mm-hmm. And how about this thought, Shana? Because this kind of has occurred to me. when I noticed, you know, I don't watch a lot of SMU football. But they are on the verge of being ranked in the new polls, so it, they were never even—they never even had a winning record when Chad Morris was there. So yeah. it sounds like they're getting better. And then, you know, all this hype—Chad Morris coming from Clemson, and they're this dynasty and all this—but they were not that good when he was there, and they got better yeah. when he left. And I'm—I'm I'm not saying that he's, you know, a terrible coach or anything. I don't think he's terrible, but. It just is interesting to me how these places get better when he leaves. I mean, I think that says something about his recruiting. He's probably a very good recruiter. We've already seen that at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But we it may be some – obviously he's not, you know, Ed Orgeron, Ole Miss, but he may be like in a different package. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where he brings in the talent and then it's got to be the next coach that lifts Arkansas to new heights. I don't know. That's just kind of – that's kind of the read I'm getting there. Whereas Jeremy Pruitt – you know, he's still learning on the job. I don't think he's doing obviously that good of a job, but I just think they're relying on so many sophomore and freshman players. Yeah. Some of their most veteran players are true sophomores. <laughs> 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 and that's not an excuse for losing to Georgia State and teams like that. They they should have beat them, should have beat BYU, but uh, I mean, it's I kind of saw this these 34 to 3 coming against on the road against Florida I mean that's it's going to be just like that I think against Georgia and Alabama but what they've got to do they got to get these guys up and ready to play against uh, the rest of the SEC and they were able to do it last year I don't know if they're going to be able to do it this year but I don't know it it does seem that he's still learning on the job he's not I'm not saying he's a great coach but head coach I think he's still learning that aspect of it but I just I could see a brighter future once he has the pieces and and the experience on his roster that he uh, that he that he has essentially what he's going up against all across the SEC. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And and again, you got to remember as a Tennessee fan,
5: just uh, I'm taking the fan perspective here. This is this isn't our first replacement coach. You know, this is. I mean, think about it. We went through Pruitt. We went through Butch. We went through L- D- Dooley. We went through Lane and Fulmer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we've gone, we're just exhausted up here, man. Yeah. It's just like, I don't, I don't, we don't want a coaching search because nobody would want to come here right now. You know, with the, with, if we're replacing a coach every two, three years, then who the hell wants to, who wants to go to that university? <clears sighs> You know what I'm saying. Right. Arkansas, Arkansas is okay. Yes did did Brett not work out? Yeah, Brett didn't work out. They were he had a couple of decent seasons, but it, things didn't work out. But it felt like Arkansas had better opportunities out there, and they went down here. This feels like a like a Dooley esque type hire. You know, where we went in and we went to Louisiana and pulled out Derek Dooley and said, well, you know, he's got the pedigree. He's been around, you know, his dad's awesome. We're going to bring him up here. You know, it feels like that with Morris. Well, you know, he worked with, he worked with uh, old Dabo over there, you know, it feels like this is a good move. You know, he's, he's a new coach. He's got a lot of pep in his step. He loves to recruit out of Texas. So this, I think this is going to be a good pick. I don't think this hire was thought through. I don't, you know, nothing against Morris. He hasn't had the opportunity to prove me right or wrong. You know, this is his second season. He did he had a hell of a recruiting class. We know he can recruit. But can he take that that talent, develop it and put it on the field? That's something I do, I'm, I don't know. We're not going to know for a couple more years and maybe that's why SMU's real good because after he left all his talents down there. So, uh, so I'm, I I don't want to bury Morris, uh, he's done some questionable things. So is so is uh, Jeremy Pruitt, but it just feels like the pieces are there's a there's a lot more going forward with Tennessee moving forward. That maybe I'm just I don't know. Maybe I'm a homer and I'm just buying into it. They're sending me all <laughs> this propaganda and and I'm getting this bad info and I'm just brainwashed at this point. I don't know. Uh, I just like the, coach, the coaching staff. I love the young talent that we do have. I love the recruits that we have committed. I, I think that we're moving in the right direction. We're just not getting the wins on the field, and I don't know if that's because Pruitt's never done it and it's taken a while to grasp the, the life of a head coach. And same thing with Morris. He, he can recruit, but I'm just not seeing the development of the players Uh, Over there, I would rather see development and no wins than no development and barely winning. Does that make sense? Mm
4: -hmm. No, I got you, Shane. All right, Shane, before we hop off here, I think we got a couple reviews, right? Yeah, buddy. Go ahead and roll that wonderful music, Mike. (laughs) All right.
1: All right,
5: first one comes from. Hammering Down. <laughs> awesome name. <laughs> great pod five star. This podcast gets me pumped for each and every SEC game. As a Razorback fan, I can relate to Cousin Shane's frustration as a Tennessee fan. In all seriousness, this is a great show and the way they analyze the game as normal guys is fun to listen to. Keep up the good work, fellas. Well hammer it down. I appreciate you.
4: Yeah, thanks for appreciate that one.
5: All right, next one comes from Mila's 88. What keeps me motivated? Five-star. As a law student, I don't get much time to watch or listen too much because I'm reading about people getting hurt, screwed over, or killed. <laughs> but every morning on the way to school, I listen to this podcast to get me ready for the weekend, which is dedicated to SEC football. Thanks to Michael and Shane to, for keeping me saying Go Cats! Miles, I appreciate you.
4: Yeah, thanks. We appreciate that one. Next one comes from
5: M.M. Stevens. Five-star, time to go around the league. My go-to podcast every morning from Shane cracking up a a cold one every episode to the bloopers at the end. This is the best place to get all the news from around the SEC. Keep up, Mike and Shane. Stevens, I appreciate you. Yeah. I need to, we probably should read these before I start cracking up in the cold ones. You know what I'm saying? But that's probably right, a good next idea.
4: Week,
5: next one. Go Irish. Twenty three, five stars, but go Irish. Five, five stars, five stars, but go Irish. <laughs> go Irish. Well, I appreciate you. Sorry about last weekend. You, uh, I tell you what, I am surprised that Notre Dame hung in there as, as as much as they did. I mean, they got a they got a better ball club than I thought, so I apologize for uh, bashing the Irish there. Plus, they came out with the ad in the paper; that's pretty cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: All right, next one comes from Mad Dash. Real Quick, five star. Just want to say, I was blessed. Just want to say, I was blessed the day my twin brother turned me onto this podcast. It helps break up the monotony of driving all day for work. Thanks for all the hard work Mike and Shane puts into. Go Dogs. Mad Dash and your twin, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, that's two for the price of one right there. Mike Pavey, five star. This is what you're looking for. Shane's beer cracks keep me going during the week when I listen around 6.30 every morning. Good stuff, guys. Mike, I appreciate you. Don't drink at five in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not there yet. Uh, next one comes from vols, balls, balls 2222 old balls for new five star five star hearts you guys are the best. Sometimes when I've had a hard day at work, I come home, put some popcorn on the stove and get my PJs and put the headphones on to keep find my happy place so glad the season is finally here and we get new episodes daily it was a long season long off season I began to create Shane and Mike puppets out of oh god it's one of those uh I began to create Shane and Mike puppets out of old socks and Mike or er, milk cartons I don't know I don't know what y'all look like so I imagine Mike has a pirate as a pirate. And Shane, as an old-timey revolutionary war soldier, i practiced several episodes mouthing y'all's parts and finally perfected one of the episodes in May. I put it online and received too many cease and desist letters, so I removed it, but I am still in talks with Netflix and PBS. Keep up the good work. Do you think you could devote an episode to your appearance? Mike, do you have both your eyes? Shane, do you shoot right-handed? Just curious. <laughs>
4: Well, sure. we certainly do have the best fans that come up with the most creative reviews. I I have to give them
0: that. Absolutely. Uh, Last
5: one here. This one comes from DLP2043. Best podcast period. Five star. I look forward to listening to this podcast every day. These guys help me start my morning. I was caught laughing out loud in traffic the other day. Lady just kept staring at me. Cousin Shane makes me makes you laugh. Seriously, great show, y'all, and keep up the great work. Roll Tide Roll. Well, DLP, I appreciate you.
4: Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for all those awesome reviews. That really helps the show out. If you haven't done it yet, uh, give us a five-star hearts rate and review. That really helps the podcast out. And you uh, know it goes a long way to all the work we put in. We just appreciate all the feedback we get from you guys. Uh, absolutely, I appreciate all y'all.
5: Uh, yeah, <laughs> Mike, what is with us today? Jeez Louise, uh, it's more me. Maybe I'm rubbing off on you. I don't know what it is, guys. I apologize. I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be
4: back on my game tomorrow. I promise. All right, Shane. Yeah, we got uh, we got to finish strong with a good picks podcast. I'm ready for another weekend of SEC action, Shane. I think that's going to do it for this one. Uh, Thank you for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Alright, see you guys. Go balls.
3: Happy trails Trails to you. Till we meet.